one of my favorite parts of worship is when, when it's just humming in conversation, maybe at Passing of the Peace or in small groups. And um, I have the like unenviable spot of like having to bring us all back in. But it's such a wonderful moment. So what I want to do is, is a little uh, experiment to start things this morning. I want to get that hum going. So in just a second, you're going to turn to your neighbor. Maybe tell them about what you got planned the rest of the day. Tell them what you did yesterday. We want to get the, get the volume humming. And then I'm going to give some instructions. And we'll see if you, can, if you hear them, then go ahead and respond to them. All right? But if you don't hear them, just keep on doing what you're doing. If you don't want to hear them, just keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> Um, it's all free and fair. Um, and then uh, and in a little bit, I'll, I'll, I'll bring us down and we'll, we'll move into looking at some scripture. OK. All right. So get things humming. What you did today, this morning, tomorrow. If you hear my voice snap four times. If you hear my voice and you're willing, snap seven times. If you hear my voice, clap two times. If you hear my voice, clap seven times. So you started to hear my voice and you began to pay attention and your ears cued to me. And some of you were willing to listen and some of you were not. Joel Griffin. And some of you may have heard another voice. I am gentle. Multiple experiments of noise, um, the noise of our lives, the voices we listen to, maybe trust, maybe the voices we ignore. Joel, thank you. It's a good, good connection. Um, and we gather here um, open and, and longing to hear the voice of God, a different voice who says, come to me all. You are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you, I'll give you rest. In this Lenten season, we've been in this series of listening towards Jesus, obedience in absurd, loud, noisy times. Um, one of the messages Jesus gives us over and over is found in John 10, that, that he has come to give us life and to give us life to the fullest. So this morning, I just want to look at a, a passage of scripture that church or churches around the world are looking at, um, that raises that question, what does the voice of life sound like? What is, um, what is the invitation for us if life is indeed uh, that which God um, desires for us in Christ? And so this is uh, <clears throat> how I want to set this up. In Mark chapter 8, um, we've got a passage that we're going to read. 
And in the story where we find ourselves is Jesus has started his ministry. He's begun to proclaim and announce the good news of God, that there's a new way of being that's available for people who would follow. It's called the kingdom of God, the reign of God. Um, and they're doing things, and people are starting to follow him. His disciples are following him, and there's healing happening, and there's, there's good news being proclaimed and experienced. And at one point, he's with his disciples that are on the road, and he says to them, um, who do people say that I am? And the disciples look at him, well, I mean, we've talked about this before. The polls are in. You're doing well. Some people... Think you're John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Everyone says you're at least one, one of the prophets. And Jesus on this road says to his friends, who do you, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says, well, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one who's going to bring about this new way of being, this kingdom of God in the world. And Jesus orders him not to tell anyone about this. And then he goes on to describe what he's getting at. He teaches the disciples, the human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the legal experts, and be killed. And then, after three days, rise from the dead. And he said this plainly. Um, and Peter takes hold of Jesus. Like, you almost get this feeling of like, wait a minute, let me, let me shake you with some sense here, right? You are off. Um, and scolds him. And begins to correct Jesus. This is hilarious, right? <laughs> Like, this is a physical, verbal, emotional response that Peter has to Jesus. Like, whoa, whoa, shake yourself, man. You're, you're off here. And Jesus turns and he looks at him and says sternly, and sternly corrected Peter, get behind me, Satan, or tempter. Um, you are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. Real quickly, I want to I do something here. I want us to think about human thoughts and God thoughts and what the voice of God could sound like um, for us even today. But before I do that, I want to I be really clear. When we think of God's thoughts and human thoughts, I don't want us to fall into the trap of thinking good and bad this morning. So we're not talking about good things and bad things. We're talking about Human thoughts and God's thoughts. Plenty of human thoughts that are important aspects to who we are as the kind of move and be in the world. So we're not talking about good and bad, but, but we do want to kind of maybe play around with what are, what's the distinction here that Jesus is getting at between human thoughts and God thoughts. So here's what I want you to do. With those same people you were just kind of buzzing around with and talking about your day, what human thoughts or concerns is Peter demonstrating? So he says you're the Messiah. 
Jesus says, well, yeah, you're right. And this is what that means. That I must suffer and die um, and be risen from the dead. And Peter is not having it. And Jesus describes that as Peter having human thoughts. So to your neighbors, what, what kind of human thoughts or concerns do you think Peter's got on his mind and his heart when he responds to Jesus in this like visceral, emotional, physical way? Go for it. And then we'll come back together in a sec. All right. What kind of, let's, let's come back together and hear from you a little bit. I, I can empathize with Peter in this story. Like, I, I, I think I can connect with maybe some of the, his logic and rationale. How about you? What, what kinds of thoughts is he thinking that, that we're not saying are bad or anything like that, but these are just very human thoughts to have in this kind of moment? What do you guys talk about? Come on. Yeah, Renee. So human thoughts, we have, we get stuck in our imaginations of how things might be, and it's really challenging to get kind of broken out of those. Mortality is not something that we are like easily going to welcome, right? So that could be one of his very human thoughts. Yeah, Ryan. Right. Very common sense, if you didn't hear that. Peter's using common sense for, for that time and maybe any time. Yeah, Kurt. Contextually limited. What he's bringing to this, again, maybe this, this idea of how things are going to be um, is keeping him stuck. Yeah, Aaron. assertive Jesus yeah right good I like that (laughs) it connects a little bit you went to social science I was thinking about science oh yeah Teresa go for it What, what do you think what else yeah yeah predict manage control to the proper outcome yes Human, human thinking. Right, right. Change their mind to fit our imagination. Yeah, Jen. Thank you. Hi, Diane. Welcome. 
Again, not bad thoughts. Very human thoughts Peter's or, uh, wrestling with here. Um, I'm going to not go into this a lot because of time because I want to get to the, the, the God's thoughts. But I was thinking similarly in scientific terms, even called Phil, our, our resident scientist, one of many, um, to talk to him a little bit about this. But, but of like evolutionary behavior. Like when we, when we think about human thoughts and human behavior, we're shaped by evolution. We're shaped by the way we have evolved as a species. Um, and so things like inheritance... Um, might be going on here with Peter. He's, he's bringing, again, what this group said, he's bringing his imagination, he's bringing kind of what his hopes and expectation he's been taught to the moment, and he's, he's hoping that that's going to pay off. And, and Jesus seems to be saying, like, no, it's going to be a little bit different than what you might have expected. Um, this is the Monrovia High School girls soccer team who went all the way to the CIF final. So go Monrovia. Um, they have a state match on Tuesday. But competition, right? There's, there's, there's a competition piece going on with Peter in this story. Um, Jesus, you're the Messiah, not all the other Messiahs. Like, this, like there's, there's a way we can, we can make God's thing happen and we can even be kind of leading the charge of that as opposed to how other people have done it or will do it. So there could be a competition piece going on in terms of a human um, thinking and behaviors, which connects quickly into our own economic system. Um, human thoughts, competition, survival. Um, these are important things. These are human things. Um, where we face danger, we fight or we freeze or we flee, um, um, or we figure out how to adapt. Um, I wonder about human thinking and again it's how a species survives how do we hold this human thinking and the ways we operate socially physically financially um, and try to stay open to this voice of God who wants to speak to us in the noise um, and invite us into God's thinking um so again, human thoughts and God thoughts. So the picture, it's not good or bad. It's more apples, oranges. That's why there's that, that image up there. So Jesus goes on and he, he explains some things to Peter. And so what I want to, I want to do is read these verses. And then we're going to get into our groups again. Like, what is this? What clues might we have in this story about the kinds of thoughts, invitations that God might speak to us? After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Let me just say there's a play on life going on here. You hear the word life, it's the same word for soul. Some translations will use the word soul. Um, and there's different visions at play here. 
um, even in Jesus' teaching. Um, but if Jesus is, is, is saying to them, you're thinking about human things and not divine things, and, and then this is what Jesus says to them, what kind of clues are in this passage um, for divine thoughts, divine invitations? Of course, it begins with the conviction that we are made in the image of God and that God says, this is good. Um, I've looked up Psalm 136, 27 times. It says that God's love is steadfast and faithful. Um, in John 10, 10, Jesus says that he has come to give us life abundant. First John says that God, in fact, is love. So if these things are true, what does this, these instructions from Jesus about giving up life to save life and carrying a cross, what, what might this mean or how might it help us understand divine invitations to life? Uh, talk to each other a little bit about that. Go for it. These teachings from Jesus, some of us have read these many, many times. Um, God's desires, God's thoughts. What do we learn, potentially, about God's thoughts from these teachings from Jesus? Yeah, Deborah. Sounds a little crazy. All right. So we learn God's crazy? Is that what you mean? <laughs> we don't get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sasha said, be an orange in a group of apples. <laughs> I could preach, yeah. What else? Teresa. If you couldn't hear, um, Juliana and Teresa, I presume Matt too, was uh, talking about, um, is there something in this to, to make meaning out of suffering in a context where suffering in life was maybe much more um, present in one's daily experience um, or observation? Whereas we live in a culture that tries to hide that, push that away, overcome that um, in beautiful ways. Um, maybe this, there's something about the, the, the presence of God with us in suffering um, that, that this could point to. Thank you. What else? 
divine thoughts. Conflict between an, an, a message of God's not going to put something in front of you that you can't handle, um, and this this teaching from Jesus that we need to say no to ourselves um, and maybe even carry our cross. Yeah, Deborah. So say no to oneself. What, what might that look like? Maybe it's, it's releasing something um, that's important to us, that we want. And yet life is bringing about this, um, this need, this clear invitation to release it. Um, divine thoughts. Um, to have life abundant might require saying no to ourselves in a culture that wants to tell us over and over, no, whatever you want is, is a yes, and, and you're free to go after. Um, those are, um, there's dissonance in those messages, for sure. Anybody else? We were talking about um, saying no to Not in this story, yeah. I heard two things there. In a in a in a world that grabs at our time and our energy with sometimes really amazing opportunities, too many to take advantage of in a in a day. Um, too much is too much, even if it's really good things. And so maybe saying no to ourselves that might feel painful, oh, I don't want to say no to that, it's a good thing, might actually bring us life. Um, too much is too much. 
And then if you didn't hear what Abby was saying, primarily at the end of saying no to ourselves, no, no to this need that we, we long to be understood, we long to be seen, and that sometimes in life that's just not going to happen. Um, and there's, there's a saying no to that desire. Aaron, yeah. Jesus says, all who want to save their lives will lose them. This is that play on the word life here. Um, all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will, will save them. And again, this, this word life, it's, it's like the breath within. Um, it's the, it, the word soul comes from this word. It's, 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 it's the stuff that God has created us to, to be. Um, Richard Rohr writes something interesting in his book, Breathing Underwater. He says that we would have done better to help people awaken this soul, this life, um, rather than trying to save it for the next world. Um, we, would, we would have done better to help awaken this life rather than trying to save it, even an, an unawakened life, um, for the next world. I think he's getting at kind of the play of this word life. There's, there's a save your life, right? Which is like everything you've been able to achieve, everything you've been able to compile, everything you've been able to make happen. And there's these human ways of thinking where we understandably protect that and we guard that. And we, we, we try to keep it safe, right? And try to grow it. Um, and again, this is not a good-bad conversation. It's a human and God conversation. Um, there's that kind of life that we grab onto. And then there's the life that God wants to awaken in us that might connect with some of those things we've been able to achieve and make happen, but, but yet is so much more. Um, so much more beautiful. Um, the fruit of the Spirit kind of get at this life. Right? Kindness and goodness and faithfulness and joy and peace and love and patience. Um, so maybe the divine thoughts is, is this invitation to awake my soul, my life. Um, are we going to still do human things and do our jobs? Of course, you know. Um, but there's an invitation Jesus is giving to, to be alive. Um, a men's group this week, which I cannot talk about men's group very much, from, especially from up front. Um, but, but we had general conversations around this, around work, kind of the meaning of work. What do we expect from work? 
How does like what we desire and even in our childhood maybe give us clues to, to invitation to work? Um, there's, there's a play here, right, of the realism of needing to, to build a life and, and to, to secure some things. Um, and at the same time, an invitation. But, but might we allow God to awaken our life? I told this story um, coming out of our worship forum a couple weeks back, but the music group in our worship forum, which is kind of what plans our worship, they came with a few things that they thought everyone needs to think about. And one of them was from our brother Oswaldo, who said, let your soul come out, right? Um, I thought of that when I was reading this. Like, there's an invitation here, divine thought. Like, don't just work, work, grind, grind, grind. Let your soul come out. Let your life be experienced. Jesus goes on and says, why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Similarly connected, Maya Angelou writes, I've learned that making a living is not the same thing as making a life. And I think there's not good, bad, but, but there's a distinction there. And as we think about in this Lenten season, what it means to kind of listen towards Jesus when the noise and the cacophony, I think we said in our liturgy, um, is just calling our attention everywhere. Um, And these values and like even putting ideas in our heads as to what we should want. Um, There's a voice from God um, who says, awake my soul. You might have to say no to yourself um, to love like I want you to love, to care for yourself, for others, like you're invited to do. Um, But there's enough. There is abundance. Um, Not everybody may understand you, but there are enough people who will. Um, Bills might be tight. Can I get an amen on that? And there's a life that's, that's different than money and even security and, and, and that which we can create ourselves. Um, that God wants to invite us to experience together. Um, there's a book. Um, it's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware, who was a palliative care nurse. Jeff? Could have wrote this. Um, and started as a blog post and then became this book of the top five regrets that people who are dying have. Um, and she was struck by how it's, it's, it's not like real um, kind of realities of life that you achieve, but it's actually deeper ideal longings that we have. She, these are the five regrets that she said she heard the most. And, and later, a scientific study in 2018 confirmed a lot of this, actually. I wish I had the courage to live a, true, to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Um, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I think that gets at this tension we're trying to hold of the realities of provision and the invitation to the beauty of life. 
I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I had let myself be happier. And we're trying to remind ourselves this Lenten season. There, there's a voice. There's a voice of love and truth and liberation um, calling to us this Lenten season amidst the noise. Like our, our, our exercise in the beginning, there's the noise. And then we try to get out of the noise by maybe listening to someone who we think is trustworthy or who's just loud and gets our attention. Um, and then there's a whole other voice going on sometimes that it just takes stopping and, and listening for. And so in week one, we looked at these, these steps maybe for, for listening to this voice. So I don't, I don't know what, what stays with you from this, but Jesus' teaching about life is that sometimes we need to say no to ourselves for our own good and well-being. Sometimes that looks like letting go of precious, important things. So it's not easy. Um, that there's an invitation to awaken life, the gift of life within us. Welcome back, kids. Here it is. Um, And a reminder that there is abundance in God's economy. It's a different kind of abundance. Um, but there's an abundance and an enough that, um, that is there for us.